Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So in three out of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? So three out of the four, um, this scene, this anointing scene, occurs immediately before the Passion. Uh, In Matthew's version, Jesus says this, Amen, I say to you, wherever the Gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be spoken of in memory of her. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed, this scene, Jesus says, there's something incredibly significant. This is huge. So what's the deeper significance of this scene, right? So Mary pours nard over Jesus. In this version, in, uh, uh, in John's version, the nard goes on his feet. In other versions, it goes on his head. I like the head version better, personally. So what is nard? Nard is this gloriously fragrant perfume. It's extremely rare in the ancient world. It's extremely difficult to get. It came from a flower that grew in the Himalayas. So think of the, you know, the Silk Road, the ancient trade routes, how that would get from the, the slopes of the Himalayas to a bottle held by this woman in, um, you know, in, in first century Palestine, right? It's very difficult to get. And she has a, a liter of it. Picture a leader, right? A leader of this incredibly expensive, rare oil. I mean, just think about how, like, perfumes and colognes today—they're—they're uh, they're not typically sold by the leader, right? I mean, I'm a celibate. I don't know exactly, but I'm pretty sure you don't buy like a gallon of, you know, cologne. Is that true? Right? Okay, right. All right. I looked this up. Think about this, for example. There's a, there's a cologne I looked up. It was called Clive Christian Original Collection Number 1. I bet it smells great. A 50-milliliter bottle, 50 milliliters, okay, so like nothing, that sells for $1,000, $1,000. She had a liter of this stuff, a liter of this costly perfumed oil that she pours over Jesus. And Jesus says she did this to prepare me for my burial, and wherever the gospels proclaim, what she has done for me will be spoken of in memory of her. Again, this has to be super significant. So biblically speaking, what is the significance of nard? Well, the word nard only appears in one other book in the Bible. It appears in the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs. Nard is the fragrance of the bride in the Song of Songs, so the, fragrant of, the fragrance of the bride opening her heart to the bridegroom and opening her body to the bridegroom. It says this, while the king was upon his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. Or we'll hear this, you are a garden enclosed. This is the bridegroom speaking to the bride. You are a garden enclosed, my sister, my bride, with fruits of choicest yield, henna with nard, Nard and saffron, sweet cane and cinnamon. You hear there's this double repetition of the word nard, this nard, nard, right? This double usage. The Song of Songs, the book, the Song of Songs, you know, within the, the framework, the Song of Songs is basically the center of the Bible. And this double, this couplet, this nard, nard couplet is the center of the center. It was Mikhail Waldstein, who was the one who translated John Paul II's Theology of the Body from Polish and English. It was Waldstein who pointed out 
that Nard is the end of the first half of the Bible and Nard is the beginning of the second half of the Bible, right? Why is the Song of Songs the center of the Bible? Well, because of what the entire Bible is trying to tell us. The Bible begins with the marriage of a couple in an earthly paradise, and the Bible ends with the marriage of a heavenly couple in a heavenly paradise, right? Christ the Lamb uniting himself to his bride, the church. And again, smack dab in the center of the Bible is the Song of Songs, this gloriously beautiful love poetry that expresses the longing between bridegroom and bride. It is the only book in the Bible, in fact, that doesn't actually even mention the name of God. And yet, Pope Benedict XVI would later say that the Song of Songs, that book, this book that has all of this dripping, beautiful love poetry, imagery, longing, passion, desire, sensuality, that book, Pope Benedict said, expresses the essence of biblical faith. The essence of biblical faith. It's an expression, he says, that man indeed can enter into union with God. This book, this book that makes people so uncomfortable when it gets actually read aloud at Mass, this book is what expresses the essence of biblical faith. Not the parables of Jesus, right? Not Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Not any other image, but this book which celebrates the union of bride and bridegroom, is, expresses the essence of biblical faith. One of the ancient Jewish rabbis, a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Akiba, who's writing around the first century, he said this, that all of Scripture is holy, but the Song of Songs is the holy of holies. The holy of holies, right? A reference to the inner, innermost court of the temple, the inner sanctum, the hot spot of divinity among humanity, that that is the Holy of Holies. The Song of Songs, he says, is the Holy of Holies within the Scripture. John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, this is what he says about Ephesians chapter 5. Again, another one of those biblical texts that makes people squirm. He says, the mystery spoken of in Ephesians 5 is great indeed. As God's salvific plan for humanity, that mystery is in some sense the central theme of the whole of Revelation. It's central reality. It is what God wishes above all to transmit to mankind in his word. So just St. Paul in Ephesians 5 says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak in reference to Christ and the church. What Paul's talking about is that ultimately the union of husband and wife, that earthly union is a foreshadowing of who Jesus is, who the church is, what this whole salvation, redemption, creation thing is. It's a nuptial spousal reality. What is it that God wishes tr to transmit to us by his word, you ask? That he wants union with us. He wants a kind of union with us that the least inadequate analogy is that of marriage. He wants to marry us in a word. Nuptial union. So the entire Bible is telling this grand love story that his deepest desire is union with us. That's what this entire week is about, friends, right? The, the Eastern Rite Church, our, holy, our, our Eastern Rite brothers and sisters, they refer to this week not as Holy Week, they refer to this week as the week of the bridegroom. And it starts off with this anointing with the oil that's the fragrance of the bride. So you have to imagine this whole week, if you have a liter of this stuff dumped on you, 
This is what Jesus smells like as he goes through this week. This is what he smells like as he's sweating blood in the garden. This is what he smells like as he's scourged. This is what he smells like as he's crucified. This is what he smells like when he's buried. This is what he smells like when he comes forth from the tomb. He smells like spousal love. Jesus, the bridegroom, is going to the cross not because he's getting dragged there against his will. He's going there willingly to lay his life down, to pour his life out into the heart of the bride, into the very womb of the bride's heart to put new life there. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. That's what this is. That's what this whole week is about. So may we open our hearts to the gift of his love and mercy and life. Amen.